0: Welcome to the EDU Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. This podcast is brought to you by Capture One Pro. With the most reliable tethered workflow, combined with the most robust image processing, Capture One Pro Ten is the choice of working pros. Unlock the potential of this powerful tool by downloading your free 30-day trial at CaptureWan.com.
1: In this episode, we're joined with the Duke of the Dramatic Portrait, Chris Knight. You prefer you prefer that title, right? I, I, I do actually have that on a t-shirt <laughs> somewhere. Should we just call you Duke? <laughs> Duke is or fine. Or the Duke. the Duke. The Duke, uh, Duke. The Duke. I, I prefer the formality of it. <laughs> so, Chris, for our listeners that might not have... Uh, gone to your website or know what type of work you do, how would you describe your work? Uh, I would say that I do uh, relatively dark, dramatic portraiture, uh, kind of inspired heavily by classic painting. How did you get to that point? Like, where where were you in your life when you were like, yep, this is my style, this is what I want to do? Well, I mean, I think with anyone, it's a gradual process. And that was kind of what it was for me. Uh, I spent
2: years doing a lot of stuff that I was competent at but didn't love. I you know, did a lot of I worked in the South Florida market for a while, so I shot a lot of smiley commercially swim and uh, lifestyle stuff. and I eventually came up to New York and kind of stopped fighting those traditional sensibilities that I had honed for a while and started exploring stuff that I felt a little bit more connected to. and I teach as well, so it's always trying to get other people to explore what is personal to them and, and, and where they come from, what their approach is. And I've always loved art and other stuff that's not photography. So I try to explore that and bring that a little
1: bit into what I do. You're incredibly knowledgeable in the kind of historical aspects. Did you? Is that something you studied? How did you get to this point of knowing so much? Total hobby. Uh, I actually went to school for journalism, broadcast
2: journalism, and I just... I used to draw a lot when I was a kid but that was about the extent of it. And it wasn't until I came up here, I came to I moved to New York. And I got, you know, it's fortunate there's a lot of museums. Mhm. So, go to museums and the Met is like a really amazing museum and I would go there and you just kind of soak it all in and it's yeah. it's overwhelming and the more you look at it the more you want to learn and you know, we also fortunately live in a time where you can Google anything. And I have this bounce around add mindset where if i ever see something i'm like i want to learn more about that you know you play a video game and something pops up in a story like who is this pirate and you kind of just want to explore a little an hour hour later and you're deep into wikipedia learning about these things it was kind of like that you know i was like oh this is really cool like great sense of light who is this person and then you start to explore that painter and then where they fit in the, in the overall scheme of things. And you just kind of slowly start building into it. I mean, I never I never studied it. It was just something I
0: liked. The history of photography is something that's almost going away with so many newer photographers. So personally, I love seeing that you're such a student of it, just naturally on your own. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you're more influenced by historical photographers or painting?
2: Um, I would say for me, personally, painting. But also, I mean, photography was first. Right. So. You can't kind of escape that. It's just I'm of the belief that photography, it exists in such a small section of time in terms of it's how. It's a
0: relatively new technology absolutely. when you look at you know, painting or so many of the other arts or just the history of man. It's a yeah. relatively. It's tiny. Uh, yeah, it's tiny.
2: I mean, we've been, we've, been, we've been trying to recreate the human form, even if you just look at portraiture, for, for thousands of years. And photography has existed for less than the last two hundred,
0: which is amazing. Yeah, and it, when you think now of how prevalent photography is—literally billions and billions of images that we're exposed to annually. Yeah, there's so many images that we can be exposed to in any given year. Um, it's almost come out of nowhere. When you when you look at it in that sense, it's a, it's a different light. And there's also there's a lot of different kind of angles you can even look at it
2: too. I mean, we we always. We as visual people, we gravitate towards certain sensibilities, and a lot of us don't ever stop to think about why that is. So let's take photography versus painting, for example. The way people who like that singular light source, that big soft source, is because we've been ingrained with this idea of what we think looks good for thousands of years. And painters for the most part always painted with a single source because it was available light mm-hmm. or it was a window. There's a window. Right? And it wasn't until the last hundred years when that really started to change because of electricity. The ability to add multiple light sources. And so photography has kind of evolved during the same period of time that technology has changed the way we view imagery. And so there's the idea, and I actually, I talk about it a little bit in the, in the book, but but um, I talk about the idea of the, the single source approach versus the multi-source. And the multi-source um, kind of grew out of what photography is, which is creating rim lights, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't have that naturally. It's almost something that kind of Grew about with photography, which I think
0: is kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, it makes me think of like the Jill Greenberg effect, who started doing that. You know, the yeah. the real hard edge lights, and then kind of the beauty dish up high to light the face and let the body drop off. But the, so there's so many different light sources that um, are sculpting and, yeah. and really helping to create the form of the person.
2: And it's 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 not it's not that one is better than the other. It's just a matter of how you wanna show things and, and appreciate things, which I think is really cool.
1: Let's get back to something you just mentioned, and that's the book. And the book. What, what's going on? Like, let's talk about this book. So the book is uh, The Dramatic Portrait, and it is coming out
2: in June, June 2017. So it's, we just finished it. Um, it's going through its final layout and very, very excited. It's been a labor of love for, for the last
1: year or so. Where, where were you when you had the idea, like, I, I need to put this into a book?
2: I mean, so, so I, used to, I used to write for F-stoppers, and I got a degree in broadcast journalism. I always liked to write, and it was just something I'd never done, and it was a, it was a bucket list thing for me. I always wanted to do a book and do something that was a bit more long form and really sink into some, some ideas. So I met with the guys at Rocky Nook and pitched them a couple of ideas at it was actually WPPI last year. And we opted for this one, in particular, as a, as a, as a first one, and then started to, to really hammer it out. And it's, it's a walk through the whole process. It's, it's personal, um, but it's also this overarching flyby of the process. Talks about uh, the history of the portrait and art, and it kind of does this journey from 15,000 years ago, which is the oldest surviving portrait we have where it's this woman carved out of mammoth ivory, and it's relatively small, and then how that progressed into the Egyptians and the Greeks and the Romans, and then the medieval ages, and then the Renaissance and so forth and so on, all the way into photography, and how everything built on what was before it, generally, or was influenced in some way, whether it was direct or it was a rejection of what came before it. So we talk about that, we talk about the basic building blocks of lighting and how to light and stuff like that. It's an instructional book. Why we light, right? Now that you have the tools, what do you do with it? What does it mean? How does everything further the purpose? Talk about the ideas of color theory. We talk about uh, post-production styling through wardrobe and backgrounds and environment and all that kind of stuff. And then post-production and then personal vision and style and basically putting it all together, how all of this is a build up. To purpose, what is the purpose of the images you're trying to create, and and what are you really setting out to to accomplish? And then, how do all these individual
1: elements fit together to do that?
0: It's just Com- comprehensive.
1: Yeah. What's What's the process like of pitching a book? Did you pitch it to other publishers and you know get no's before you got no, yes? No, I I just
2: pitched it to one.
1: Um, Bad in a thousand.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look at you! Yeah,
2: <laughs> I pitched it to one, and uh, they were they were really receptive to it, and they've been they've been great through the whole process. It's been uh, you know very very little in terms of trimming down. It's been most How of, did you
1: pitch this book? Is it like was there a specific format? Did you write a couple pages of text? So I had to I had the general idea, you know, those initial conversations. Yeah, and then I went through
2: and had to give them a layout, which was basically a very extensive table of contents and then had to submit a sample chapter. Okay. And so that was actually ended up being one of the longer chapters in the book. Was my sample
1: chapter. Awesome. So, based off that chapter, the next steps they basically, you know, send you a, a contract. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they
2: they put together the contract and the offer and
1: so, is the book something that you are using as more of a, a marketing tool? Is this something you think you're going to make a lot of money off of? Like, what's the? I mean, that that's all nice. If that if that happens, I don't necessarily anticipate
2: yeah. it making me a lot of money. I do it because that's I wanted to, to do you. it. It's important to me, and you know, it's it's something I. I really put a lot of myself into.
0: How'd you get to this point? What was the catalyst when you're down in Florida shooting lifestyle that you weren't really gravitating towards to say this is not where I need to be, and and what made you say I've got to do the dark portrait? That's where I'm supposed to be. It's it's not it's not a flipping
2: of the switch. It was evolution. It was a gradual process. So for me, I I grew up in in Florida. I grew up in Central Florida. Um, I moved there when I was about five, four or five, and uh, it's
1: it is what it is if you if you if you've been to central florida <laughs> you're ashamed know. of central you know. florida
0: you no know. i mean
1: well i don't know anything about central florida i'm not i joking. i grew up about 30
2: minutes from disney i worked at disney when i was when i was another teenager nice. and i had a lot of jobs i mean i had i had a million and a half jobs and i eventually is like i took up photography after i got out of college it started off as a hobby obsession as it does and then after a couple of years i'm like i'm going to go give this a shot so I went to Miami because it was the closest big market and that was where I assisted. That was where um, I honed honed things for a couple of years and that you shoot what the market And that's dictates. a big fashion
0: and swimwear. So were you were you getting into that? Exactly. That, long that long was long what I shot. Yeah. yeah, that
2: was totally what I shot. Yeah. And then I was down there for a few years and I had an opportunity to come to New York where I, I was brought on to... It was, it was a complicated role. I was like head of... This creative division of a new startup company. It was a it was a kid's book slash social media program site, and I uh, I was shooting documentary video for him. I was writing articles for Women's and girls' Self Esteem. Uh, it, was, it was a very comprehensive... That's a weird thing, yeah, it was as a weird young thing. man, yeah.
0: to be writing articles for women Women's and girls. Girl self-esteem. Yeah. yeah, no, it's... I, How I, did you relate to that? How, what, I, I did a lot of research. Yeah.
2: You know, you read, like, the, the beauty myth and Gloria Steinem, and you kind of dig deep into, yeah. into the feminist So did you go under and, a
0: pen name of, like, Christina Knight? Or? I, I did go under <laughs> a pen name, yeah. Did you? I did,
2: yeah. What yeah. was it? Uh, we'll leave that alone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. A dark secret. But yeah, I did. I did. I did. I,
2: uh, I wrote for Women's and Girls Self Esteem, and it was, it was part of part of this job, and I did video and and media for them as well, and you know, it eventually went as it did as startups often do, and I was kind of up here, uh, up in New York, and uh, it's like, well, what do I do now? So I you know did what I had to do to to make ends meet and cater waited, and did all kinds of odd jobs and. Uh, Slowly got back into photography, so I went back into photography. But you have to rebuild and you know a new market and everything else. And none of my work fit fit the market. It was all swim and uh, lifestyle stuff. So I started redeveloping what that was. And I eventually, after a year or so, got a job teaching at the New York Film Academy in uh, New York, and I was teaching Photoshop imaging and uh as i did that i just kind of started figuring out more and more what i wanted to do and that was kind of how that evolution happened
1: you know when i look at your portfolio it almost looks like a lot of these characters could be plucked out of paintings from two three five hundred years ago do you think that you know as someone who's studied paintings that much are those characters really almost like have those paintings really influenced you to Make those modern-day characters.
2: Oh, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, I, I also grew up. I grew up in the theater, so I loved. I loved that theatrical stuff. And I mean, I did. I did everything in the theater. We did, you know, building sets and lighting design and moving things around during shows. And did you act? I did a little bit. Yeah. I did. It was, on, it was on like a theater scholarship when I was in college. Really? And, yeah.
0: That is a little bit. though I mean, yeah. more than a little bit. If you're on a theater scholarship. Yeah, I mean, it
2: was just like. It was like briefly. But yeah. yeah.
0: So do you think that, that has uh, helped influence the way you work now, your theater career?
2: I, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think both the idea of trying to put together a production, and then also I think people underestimate speaking. You know, not, not being afraid
0: to get up in front of people and talk. Sharing your story. Yeah. So, what's your marketing path been? How have, you, how have you gotten the word out about you?
2: I'm, I'm on this podcast. <laughs> this is what I'm doing.
0: This is how you get out there right now. This is day one. Of, this is day one. <laughs> of day one of Nine I think seriously <laughs> <overstating>, <laughs> overestimating. my fame.
2: <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, mean,
0: curious about how you how you go about growing your client base yeah. and and making people aware of of the work that you do.
2: Oh, man, I think I think you can't underestimate social media but it's not it's not everything you know it's it's all it's all trying it's, it's a multifaceted approach it's multi-layered you try to get where you can you know do the book do i use stoppers thing was was something that i did i think that helped a lot yeah yeah um yeah i mean i do i do talking for i do i do speaking engagements with uh with pentax as well so i talk for them and then you have your own social media things you do, and I think I think the biggest thing is, you know, create work that people find people like, you know. Create, but I think it's consistent work. I think I think that's really the thing that people tend to forget. You know, I had a friend of mine who's a, who's an illustrator, really good friend of mine, and. One of the greatest bits of advice I got from him years ago was you know create cohesive, compelling work, which seems very broad, but you know even if you look at it from purely a social media perspective, which again is not everything, but in today's climate it's it's important it's it's a it's definitely a piece. He goes you know everybody wants the followers, everybody wants. You know follow me follow me follow me but they forget the big part of create compelling work that people want to look at yeah. that's, that's really actually the hardest part of it and I think that was for me the part that like once once I figured out what it was I wanted to do that I then it all, fell then it all started was, to yeah. make a little yeah. bit more sense and, and that was actually a hundred percent how it happened was once I kind of figured out hey yeah I'm I'm, I'm on to something and you have to shoot a bunch to figure out what you want. It takes years. And that's just a time thing. Once once you figure that out, things start falling into place. I shot fashion. I'll um, put in air quotes. I shot fashion for years because I thought that was what photographers n-
0: needed to do. I think I think that's the most um, common misconception about photography yeah. is that you need to be in the world of fashion photography. Everybody no, I shouldn't be that general, but so many people getting into photography want to start with fashion. Absolutely. Which is also one of the hardest, most elusive mm-hmm. um, genres in the entire industry. And I was f-
2: competent. That was as, that was as high praise as I can say for my clothes. I was competent. It wasn't compelling. It wasn't amazing. It was competent. Right. And it wasn't until I was like, well, you know. I really just like faces. That was that's, that's really what I'm more interested in doing. I'm really more interested in faces, and I love light. I love like sculpted, beautiful light. So how do I combine those two things? And then once I figured that out, I'm like, oh well, this is easier. I'm not struggling as much with this. And then you start creating work that's more interesting to you. And when you do that, things just you're more invested in the work, and you're making work that's stronger because you like it more and you know that's that's really what it's about at the end of the day
0: we all know that the the connection with your subject is so important it's really critical to to develop a rapport with your um, the people that you're photographing so that they can kind of open up to you um, when you're really sculpting light how engaged are they in that process
2: yeah so that's that's tricky it really depends on you know this is this is kind of getting away from theory and more into logistics Mm -hmm. so I like those really tight really controlled beams of light and it's it's tough to get the emotive portrait within it Mm -hmm. and so basically what I do is I do it last that's usually my move okay so if I'm shooting someone I have The easy setups first we get the other stuff if it's you know a fashion test or whatever you do the the basic clean simple portraits, big broad light source whatever and then the last I go okay so bear with me this is gonna be a very specific thing and I'm gonna keep your head very much in a specific place and we're gonna build this light around it and I just it's all about controlling the head and then once you're there trying to coax the expression and the eyes out of them in that very small tight confined pocket of space
0: so the beginning of the shoot is almost a fake out it's like you have you keep looking at your left hand then you whomp them with the right it's to get them comfortable yeah it's all about comfort because you got to get them like to
2: trust me <laughs> it's, it's, it's what it's, i need you to trust me on this because right. we're going to get something but it's
0: going to be a little bit of a trip to get there how long are those sessions like how long does it usually take for you to get where you want with a subject
2: um i can do it relatively quickly sometimes i mean i've, I've had those instances where you're given a few minutes mm-hmm. um i can i can generally get it in in a few minutes but i usually build it into something that's an hour and a half to two hours where so i can take my time with it and mm-hmm. really just kind of stretch it out and play around
0: exhaust the process exactly
2: because sometimes I want them to look a little bit exhausted at the end of it. <laughs> sometimes that's what we're
1: after. Who are the people in your in your team that you rely on the most? Who are the, who are the people that help put a photograph together for you? Um, I
2: think, you know, obviously, when you work with hair and makeup and stuff like that, that's always important. But I actually think one of the most valuable things that I've had is good support of other people around me, people who are just there to help you and support you and, and push you on, people that are you know not necessarily directly involved, but are able to give you honest feedback. I think honest feedback is is the rare with with an opinion that you value is tough to find.
0: So are you talking about people who are not assistants, just other people on the set?
2: Yeah. Hmm. I mean I mean what, it, what truth, does one
0: of your sets look like? Who's on it? It depends. It depends um, some of it's highly highly
2: produced and I'll have hair makeup um, I'll have an assistant me but then sometimes it's just me and I mean me doing all of the setup you know maybe the model does minimal hair and makeup and then I style a lot of them so and that that can come from anywhere and sometimes it's little bits and pieces they may have sometimes it's me grabbing a coat out of my jacket out of my closet sometimes it's renting stuff um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's really, sometimes it's about the clothes, sometimes it's that's just a small part. So it's really just about you and the subject, and you don't need a whole lot else. But, you know, sometimes it can be done in a tiny room, and then sometimes it's done on a set. Um, some of my favorite images uh, that I did were, were at a WPPI last year. Is that right? I did it uh, the picture that I did of the boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, the boxer and the knight. They're both they were shot at WPPI last year. You, did you, you did that on purpose? You shot a knight. Listen, I'd always wanted to shoot a knight <laughs> and I had the opportunity to rent one as part of a grander it? budget. Are you kidding me? I just shipped in from Seattle. See? What? Yeah. See, you don't know everything.
0: <laughs> I, know, I know a lot, and I know almost everything.
2: <laughs> the weight considerations, the tricky ones are like: listen, we've got the metal, the metal suit of armor, which will look more authentic, or the leather, but it's going to be like eight times more to ship this very expensive one. Okay, we'll go with the
0: leather. I would have thought you'd be able to find it in Vegas. There's Probably. everything in Vegas.
2: But you, the, the problem is is you can't search, you can't see it online.
0: Right.
1: Yeah.
2: That's, that's the tricky part. you got to be able to see it. So I've got like a few different shops that I, I go to
1: online that, that have good online catalogs. And costumes? Mm-hmm. What, is it usually, um, what does it usually take to usually rent a costume, a high-end costume? So uh, one of my favorite places is
2: Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Dot com. It's like OSF.org or something like that. Something like that. Um, they're great. Amazingly extensive collection. Really? But they don't have costumes or outfits. They rent for theater. So you have to pick everything. Oh, you want this jacket, this bow tie, this shirt, these pants, this hat. Everything has to be put together. Yeah. Which is a lot more of a time-consuming
0: process, but you get that look that you're after. Also gives you more of an opportunity to really creative direct. You're picking every element. Exactly. How long is your, is your um, conceptual process?
2: Depends. Totally depends. Sometimes it's relatively quick. Sometimes it's hours mm-hmm. um, searching for the right costumes. Uh, generally, it's I'll have an idea. Hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for. I've got all my inspiration images. And then I just start hunting and trying to pick apart things and seeing what's available. I mean, that's a big part, too. Or I'll have constant things in the back of my head. OK, I, I want to do this idea. And then you wait for the opportunity, like a picture of the boxer. I'd always wanted to shoot a boxer. I'd always wanted to shoot a knight. And then I was waiting for the opportunity. The boxer, I found this guy. Tattoos, old-timey pistol tattoos, handlebar mustache. Like, this is the guy. This is right. the guy I'm doing the boxer with.
1: What are you struggling with the most now? What are you working on?
2: I think it's always what to do next. I think that's always the next thing what do you what do you take it from here what do you how do you how do you build always always think complacency is the enemy as soon as you're complacent you're just not creating anything new starts to get a little stale starts to get a little boring so how do you keep pushing it to get better so what do you do you look for new inspiration. Always try to inspire yourself with, with new things. Look for new art. Look for something harder to create. All right, well, I did this thing. Okay, well, now let's try to do it in a group of people. Or let's try to do a more complicated set. Or let's try to make something that actually has more meaning to it versus just this visual representation of a painting. How are you create meaning I, th- I think I think meaning driven work is always the hardest thing to to put together and then to flesh out and then a once you have that is it has it been done before or how do you do it in a way that hasn't been done before or you know when you and that's that's where that's the unfortunate the more you learn about history and old photography and, and old painting you know it's you realize a lot of it has been done before so how do you put your own spin on it that's the hard part
1: yeah so if, if you could have your way and, and do a, a, a new series, and you're not restricted by budget or anything, what, what would you do? Oh, I have that one already.
2: It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a social commentary that I'm, that I'm working on. Um, I'm going to leave it alone for now. He's not going to share. It's, it's, I've, I've been working on it for about this a year and a half.
1: Sharing is caring. I've been working no, on it for okay. about I'll, a year and a half,
2: okay. um, conceptually, in terms of the big ideas. It's all drawn out and mapped out. and. It's just a matter of getting the budget behind it to execute it.
0: Sure. Keep it to yourself. We'll, we'll wait for it to come yeah. out. It's, it's, I mean, cool.
1: it's coming. All right. We'll talk about it after this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk a little bit about gear. Um, you know, you are someone that crafts the hell out of light. What do you rely on the most? Do you have like a favorite piece of gear? I get a few. Get a few. All yeah. right. Let's yeah, yeah. get
2: into it. So, so I'm a big fan of the whole process. And I also believe that, I see, I, I think Technique should never be the goal, right? Great light, great Photoshop, never the goal. Technique is is first, and then above that, in terms of value, is then then it's the idea or concept, and then it's mastery of both at the top. I know that gesture doesn't translate audibly, but let's <laughs> pretend.
1: <laughs> he's 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 like the wacky flailing inflatable arm man right now. There's arms going everywhere. <laughs> so,
2: and I and I love the photographers that have great mastery of the medium and great idea. Like Erwin Olaf, I think is brilliant. Does these really beautiful, highly conceptual, yet still technically beautiful work. And I, th- I think he's, he's a great example of that. Uh, so, so I do think that technique is important, but never the goal. It should always serve a purpose, right? Um, and with that said, big fan of the process. I like the shooting, I do the retouching, and I like printing. I think printing is also something that I'm glad it's making a resurgence. It's getting more and more popular recently cuz you know, we're primarily a print medium first, photography, and it's I love the tangibility of that that beautiful print. So, it's all about crafting toward that. So, there are a few things that that I'm a big fan of. Uh, I shoot a lot of dark tones. Dark images, dark images. So, I okay, shoot the Pentax Six Four Five Z. Again, it's the right camera for me. I need something that can pull a lot of shadow detail. That's a big thing. Um, I use the Profoto uh, B ones and B twos. I use. I shoot usually in a pretty confined space. Not having wires is nice. Yeah. I'm big fan of those. I like those lights.
1: That's my, I think that my favorite new technology is just wireless. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, Like, just being able to, like, swap the battery out instead of, like, you know, running stingers everywhere. Oh, I know. Fucking cables, and you're taping them down, and people are tripping, and, like, we've had people trip over them. It's like.
2: And then you can control the lights from the the little thing on camera. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, all right, so B1, B2s, what about modifiers? What? If you could only shoot with one modifier for the rest of your life, I know that's probably hard to think that's about. That's
0: impossible.
2: Oh, man, there's, there's there's a couple of them that I like. I'd say probably my go-to one. That's that's, you know, it's, you can't go wrong. I love like the big, the big umbrella with the sock on the end of it.
1: Oh, nice.
2: I think it's I think it's so underutilized. That's a great people people like to uh, <laughs> people like to shit on umbrellas because they don't necessarily offer a lot of control, but they do if you know how to use them. Like, the, like the, the, the parabolics, right, with the telescoping rods. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. You, if you, you move the umbrella, it. <laughs> it, it does a lot of the same effect. Like, yeah. what's so great about those monitors? And they are. I love the, the parabolics with the telescoping rods. I think mean, they're amazing, but it's just a lot of like the, the umbrella. It's yeah. conceptually super similar. <laughs> you can also feather it. You can also feather it. Yeah. yeah. I use that. I use the shit out of a big soft. I, I, I can't tell you. I love the light on this. How did you light it? It's an umbrella with the sock. Like, that's it. Simple's better. Yeah. And then uh, I just like flags and yeah. ways to cut it. And, and the flag, I think, is also one of the most underutilized. People block it. You don't want the light there? Block it. Yep. Everyone forgets
0: the flag <laughs> in, everyone, the, in the beginning. In the beginning,
1: the flag. It's, it's, it's true.
0: true. That's heavily used in, in my type of work doing food and beverage. Absolutely. So there's a lot that I have to cut off yeah. because um, my, you know, my subjects are very small. Um, so for me, it's a really important part of the way I like.
1: Absolutely. What I always liked about uh, your stats, Rob, and I've seen on a lot of them, is you have to invent all the little ways to hold the <laughs> flags in the way. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're not, we can't run that many C stands. <laughs> no. So, Rob's got all these, like, little devices everywhere that he's, like, invented or, like, stolen from Hobby Lobby and repurposed to, like, you know, f- fly up these little flags in all these little areas.
0: And I tell you, one of the best little tricks is an old TV antenna. Yeah. You take an old TV antenna, mount it to a block, mm-hmm. and then you can. You can clip a little card to it oh, that's and good. move that around. You can telescope it out, move it up or down, and that's one of the best little secrets for oh, that's good. blocking small quantities of light just in a little area on a on a product. That's good. You're so wise, Rob. I'm so wise. God I'm like, damn it, you know, so wise. I'm like Mister <laughs> Domus or something. My other one, my other one is the spot projector. I
2: love the, the the small spot projector. Yeah, put a gobo in there and create that little tiny pattern.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, saves you saves you space when you, you don't just, want to use flags. You just did Pratique's image. Who is, was here. I didn't do Pratique's. Oh, you did. No, that was that was. Uh... Who did that? I could have swore that was. He said, "Oh, look Zach. at me." Yeah. I think I think it was Zach. Out Zach. It, Zach Sutton did right. Oh, he, he copied your style then. Oh, well, maybe. Ripped. He ripped your style off. <laughs> shame on you, Zach Sutton. Oh no, <laughs> Shame <laughs> on you. Fine. You didn't. I didn't I mean, You're fired, Zach.
0: Oh man, Gary
1: Martin. <laughs> No, well, quit I just, causing I, problems, Gary. I, I saw. Stepping on toes. All right, I'll just give it up. i <laughs> no, keep podcast. going. Keep going. I've ruined the podcast. <laughs> so, outside of the book, what what do you have on the horizon that you're really looking forward to? You guys?
0: Yes. Yeah. So so let's can talk, we about, talk that. about that a little bit. Absolutely. Because we are going to do a tutorial with you. Super excited. Yeah, we are too.
1: So essentially, you know where we're at now in the uh, curriculum stage is we're essentially going to like explore this book and turn it into. You know a video series that you can use to learn from so you know we understand that you know people have a lot of different ways to learn some prefer reading some prefer video and we're really trending towards most people preferring video but you know the tutorial itself um, probably is gonna come with the book or the it's gonna be really easy to get the book but the the video I'm excited that we're in the planning stages of this because It's going to be badass.
0: Yeah, for me, one of the most important um, and exciting parts about doing this with you is um, the understanding of the history of photography and the history of painting and the influences uh, that come to your work. And, again, I just feel like it's something that so many new photographers are missing. They've come in at a time where um, it's all about a device and something in your pocket, and it's so immediate. And um, some of those really important processes of photography have been forgotten Yep. Um, by newer generations. So I'm really excited that you're going to be bringing this to the market. I'm excited, too. I, I think it's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I think what people don't realize enough and maybe why they get frustrated, um, you know, after they get a camera in the lights and they start shooting, they're like, why do my photos still suck? Well, it's like they're, they're, they've missed, like, years of foundational work of whether it's studying paintings or really studying why you like to look at an image. Like, if you can't, like, really look at an image and understand why you like it or maybe what's wrong with it, um, you know, you're, you're, you're just missing so much. Because it's, you know, the camera itself, it's impossible to take a bad image. Oh, in today's day and age. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. It's impossible. But there's so many other little things that, that help you 1% or 2% here and there. And when you study and can learn 100 of those little things that make it 1% better... Well, then you're, that's when your photography starts getting to the, the the commercial level and like the the page the, the scroll-stopping level where it's like, whoa, why is that so different,
0: Gary Martin? That was a good bit of analysis, what, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I have to keep it in my backpack. God, well, buddy,
1: I blacked out. What happened? What happened?
0: <laughs> Wait, Wait, did I just say something important? Uh, I blacked out. Damn it! I'll listen to it later. <laughs> So Chris, where can people get a good look at your work? Where do you want people to go check you out? Uh, well, you
2: can, you can find me on, on the gram, Chris Knight Photo, or ChrisKnightPhoto.com. Awesome. I also finally bought Chris Knight Photography back. Yes, who oh, had it? Did somebody steal it? <laughs> so so when, I, when I started out, photography was a hobby. And this is, this is 10 years ago. And didn't think anything of it. Shot very different kinds of things, and uh, when when uh, so I, I I go look and I'm buying my website, and I shot you know swim and lifestyle and stuff, and I go to try to buy Chris Knight photography, and it was a guy in Chicago, I think, and he shot uh, erotic male nudes. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah, it's fine. You, you do whatever you you want to do. It's right. fine. Not a big deal. I'm like no one's ever going to no one's ever going to try to look for me and hire him for something. We're in very different markets. We shoot very different things. It's fine. And uh, I had rather conservative, very religious uh, very, you know, very conservative uh, relatives that would google me in the beginning <laughs> oh, and they'd is find his webpage it was just dicks 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 everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and it was i really enjoyed it um but but eventually uh, the guy stopped shooting and i think he had, he was on like some you know like auto renewal like buying the domain back so it just took me forever to buy it back I think I finally got it like a year ago.
1: Just because he let it expire. He just let it expire. Yeah, finally. Oh
2: god, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah, so I, know, I know, finally bought it back. But
1: uh. I know a few other photographers that didn't have, uh, I guess, just didn't grab up all the real estate. Yeah. And the exact same thing. It's porn stars <laughs> that own like their Twitter handle.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
2: (laughs) So you got to, you got to, that's one of my, my, my biggest piece of advice is when people are buying their domains, like you just got to buy everything that's close.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, even like when, when the next, you know, platform like comes out, even if you're not going to use it, you got to like get there and swoop it up. Yeah. And just add it to. Buy your the
2: one dot awards and the photo and the photography and all these different things. There's so many, though. You can really go
0: broke trying to buy all I of know. them. Now, yeah, it's really expanded. There are so many different well, Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Dot, it's you crazy. know, one thing that, I, that hasn't really caught on that I've seen yet is the dot photographies.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah.
1: do you know anyone that is using that successfully? I've,
2: I've seen people use it, but I don't know of anyone yeah. that's been
0: around for a while that's using it. Yeah. I think people still want to be a dot com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has it's more cachet OG. and it is, um, it, it feels more like a business. I agree. Point and simple. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Chris? No,
1: screw you, dot nets. It's <laughs> dot coms.
0: <laughs> Gary Martin coming through again.
1: Good. Coming through. Well, yeah, Chris, thank you so much for coming by. We look forward to. Course. uh to really getting into this project and, and seeing what we can do to really blend, you know, you know cinnamon film into, like, your process and making learning photography uh, that's essential awesome.
0: Yeah, this could be great. thanks I can't again. wait. We appreciate yeah, your time. Thanks
1: for having me. So to download this entire podcast and the entire season, uh, go to rggedupodcast.com. From there, you can also uh, click on Chris's link um, and get information about his website and also get information about this tutorial that we're doing with Chris. Uh, you can also subscribe. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We're, we're everywhere. SoundCloud. You name it. MySpace? Model Mayhem, maybe. <laughs> should, we, should we publish this on Model Mayhem? We <laughs> yeah. or We we're we're just talk about covering all the bases. What's all? Son
0: of a... I can't do it. <laughs> Signing off. Signing off. This podcast has been brought to you by Capture One Pro 10, the preferred imaging software of professional photographers, due to its versatility and to the outstanding image quality delivered straight from the camera. Well that's all she wrote for this one. Thanks for listening. I get out of here and start shooting. This podcast is officially over. Over and out. Catch you next time, dude. For RGGEdu, this is kind of like the next generation mentorship.